welcome to Best Laid Plans. This is your host, Sarah Hart Unger, and this is the podcast where we talk all things planning and planning adjacent. Welcome to the first Q&A episode of January. I very much hope that as many of you are listening to this, that you are still enjoying that January energy, that essence of being excited about your new habits and your goals, and maybe even your planner and I know from experience that that definitely doesn't last forever, but hopefully you can drag it out for as long as possible this year. You can do that by listening to all of my back catalog every single day. Just kidding. But no, for real, I think this is just such a nice time to focus on our day-to-day, make sure our lives are going in the direction that we want, and just take a little bit of that extra time and space out of your lives for planning. So we'll see how long we can make it last, right? All right, we are going to kick off today's episode with a planner piece submission, and this comes from a listener named Laura. I'm going to read it, but before I do, I just have to say I am always so impressed by you guys and the careers you hold and the systems you've developed, and this really is an incredibly smart, successful, and organized audience that listens to Best Laid Plans, so thank you and keep these submissions coming. All right, here we go. Laura writes. I am an academic who just got tenure and leads several large grants. I use a 17-month large planner from Rifle Paper Company with two-page weekly spreads. The spreads have two columns of checkboxes for weekdays and one column for each weekend day. For years, I used a New Yorker desk diary, which has the added benefit of cartoons, but it is only 12 months long. Just as Oliver Berkman discussed in his interview with you, I can't time block plan like Cal Newport and others recommend. Instead, similar to Oliver, I keep a list of daily tasks separately for each day written in the planner. Sometimes I write the most important tasks at the top of the day's left column as a suggestion to do those tasks in the morning, with the less important tasks listed to the side in the day's right column. If I'm waiting to hear back about something I'd like to work on that day, I'll list it in the right column too. If I finish the day's tasks, I'll pull from lists I've made for future days, weeks, or months, also written in my planner. If I don't finish the day's task, I redistribute them to wherever they could go in the future. My meetings are typically online, so their time is noted in my paper calendar in the left column, and the actual links are in a Google Calendar. For meeting agenda items I think of ahead of time, I write them on the paper calendar by the time of the meeting, so that when that meeting occurs, I have a handy list of topics to discuss. At the end of the day, I set my phone to chime 10 minutes before each meeting the following day so that I can become engrossed in the next day's tasks and not worry about missing a meeting. To figure out my monthly and weekly goals, which I write at the top of each planner's two-page weekly spreads, or on the blank pages that announce each month, I work backwards from my big goals every few months. When I'm away from my paper planner, I text myself ideas to keep track of, which also sends me an email. I keep some of my more complicated lists in an app called Workflowy, such as future possible research topics or shopping lists. I try to schedule lightly to be available for surprises, work ahead of schedule so I can work on projects I'm in the mood for, and put fun non-work activities to look forward to on my planner too. I use pens from JetPens from fine tip gel pen samplers I've ordered. Highly recommend. Oh my gosh, this planner piece submission is just gold and I'm gonna pull out a couple of highlights to just mention briefly. First of all, it sounds like she does 
an even more holistic but very similar version of my nested goals method where she's pulling her days to-do items from the weekly list and she's kind of doing what sounds like a quarterly review every once in a while where she'll then make her bigger goals and then work backwards when it comes to the week and the day as to what she wants to accomplish for the quarter. So that is super interesting to me and Even though I love the concept of time blocking, it's nice to see somebody else who seems to get a whole lot done but doesn't necessarily use that method to the letter. The other thing I want to draw attention to is I think Laura should run a seminar on meetings and making meetings effective and best practices around meetings because she mentioned a couple things that are so important. First of all, how many of us spend time preparing for a given meeting by thinking about what to discuss? (sighs) I have to admit, sometimes I'm really good about this, but many times things just get the best of me and it doesn't happen. And yet the truth is a meeting that you're unprepared for is often a waste of everybody's time. So I just love that she really thinks ahead of time about her meetings and what she might like to discuss or what the action items might be for any given meeting. And then the other thing I thought was really cool that she does is to set her phone to chime 10 minutes before each meeting so she can really get into a deep work groove and never have to worry that she has to you know, go ahead and check the clock. That is a wonderful way of letting her mind really get into that flow state without having to, you know, worry about interrupting herself while she's getting that deep work done. So thank you so much, Laura. It's such a fun and relaxed submission as well. Even though she's getting so much done, she mentions putting her fun non-work activities on the calendar and leaving the schedule light enough to fit in fun surprises. So I bet Laura really loves her work and I truly appreciate you sharing this great planner piece. And before we actually get to our questions, I wanted to share a brief update to my own planning fun as we are, I don't know, just a few weeks into the new year as this airs. So I'm loving my planner stack. Not that much has changed. I'm generally using everything in the stack, except you probably heard the hesitation in my voice when I talked about the beautiful reading journal I had purchased. It was so pretty. It was so tantalizing, but I kind of knew it was going to be a lot. So I did decide to take that out of my stack before the year even started. And I decided to instead track reading in my Erin Condren Monthly, which is really my everything goal-related journal. Reading is such an important core habit for me. I want to be tracking it where I track all of my goals. And this just There's plenty of room in there to track what I want to track, so I'm actually using the monthly calendar spreads to track which books I'm reading and how many pages I've read on a given day. This works for me. This is enough, and I think if I try to go really, you know, intense and track multiple elements from my reading, it won't be as fun anymore, both the tracking and the reading, and I have to not lose sight of the whole point of all this planning, right? To enjoy it, to have fun with it, and to enjoy my life more and do more of the things that I love. And since that fancy reading journal was not serving that for me, this is not to disparage that journal. It is gorgeous. And in fact, I may do a giveaway in the show notes because I feel like someone needs to use that beautiful reading journal. But anyway, it's not for me this year and that's okay. So I'm gently letting it go. Conversely, I am using my Hobonichi Weeks, which by this time last year, I had tried the same thing, but I ditched it. It starts in November. So it's not like I ditched it two weeks in. I ditched it maybe four or five weeks in. And this year it's going strong, maybe because I'm a little bit more obsessed with running and I can put details on my paces and splits in it this year, whereas I don't know exactly what my, I'm not sure I had as clearly defined fitness goals last year than I do right now. All right. Well, this has been a really fun intro and planner piece, and I'm going to kick off after this quick break with question number one. Today's episode is sponsored in part by Earth Breeze Eco Sheets. 
dermatologist tested hypoallergenic liquidless laundry detergent. I love EarthBreeze because it's more convenient than jugs of liquid laundry detergent. It's more environmentally friendly and it works. EarthBreeze got rid of unnecessary chemicals for a formula that's kind to sensitive skin of all ages, including babies. And their lightweight cardboard packaging takes up just a fraction of the space in your laundry room versus traditional detergent. Just think, these tiny sheets can stop millions of detergent jugs from entering our ecosystems. In fact, 500 million detergent jugs end up in landfills and oceans every single year. That is a lot of plastic. To make things as easy as possible, EarthBreeze offers a flexible subscription so you never have to run out. I love the reduction in plastic and how well EarthBreeze works with sensitive skin. I definitely recommend giving it a try. Right now, my listeners can receive 40% off EarthBreeze just by going to earthbreeze.com plans. That's earthbreeze.com plans to cut out single-use plastic in your laundry room and claim 40% off your subscription. That's earthbreeze.com plans. I'm so excited for Crunch Labs to be sponsoring a part of this podcast. Crunch Labs are STEM subscription build-it-yourself boxes for kids, and my 10-year-old has been into Crunch Labs for months. He started watching these awesome engineering videos with Mark Rober and was hooked at the very first box. The kids have accompanying videos and step-by-step instructions, so he's able to build them entirely on his own, and the stuff he makes with these kids is really cool. This summer, they are hosting something awesome called Camp Crunch Labs, where kids get 12 build-it-yourself toys with one shipped every week plus access to exclusive Mark Rober videos and weekly challenges that are so much fun to do and also filled with engineering nuggets, so they're definitely learning as they go, even if they don't always realize that. Camp Crunch Lab starts in June, so it's a great time to check this out and get in on the action. Go to crunchlabs.com plans to sign your kids up for Camp Crunch Labs today. If you visit by using that URL, crunchlabs.com plans, you will get two boxes free. That's a $60 value. Again, that's crunchlabs.com slash plans to sign up for Camp Crunch Labs and receive two boxes free. I am thrilled to welcome sponsor Jenny Kane back to the show. You can shop with code plans for 15% off. And let me tell you, there are some absolutely amazing summer pieces to choose from. Jenny Kane has a minimalist yet luxurious vibe, and the fabrics in their clothing are just perfection. For summer, think light cotton and linen, breezy silhouettes, and simple elegance. They have dresses that can be styled in so many ways to make them perfect for any occasion, and their cotton knits are perfect vacation staples. You will layer them over everything, and they can elevate every look. Jenny Kane also has amazing accessories from the perfect classic belt to gorgeous summer sandals. Enjoy a summer wardrobe refresh with Jenny Kane for pieces that will truly last for seasons to come. Find your new uniform at JennyKane.com. Our listeners get 15% off your first order when you use code PLANS at checkout. That's 15% off your first order at J-E-N-N-I-K-A-Y-N-E dot com, promo code PLANS. Let getting dressed be one less thing to worry about. Embrace your summer aesthetic with Jenny Kane. All right, I am back. Question number one comes from a listener named Marie. She writes, I am a longtime listener to both your podcasts and love all the tips and advice. In 2022, I decided to change jobs, still in the same career area, but for a consultancy company rather than an industry corporation. I love my new role, but I'm struggling to find a method for note-taking and staying organized. I have multiple clients with multiple projects, and I take a lot of handwritten notes from meetings, but then they all just end up in one book or loose pages, and they are difficult to locate if a question comes up weeks later. Any ideas? Thank you, Marie. (sighs) 
I mean, it sounds like Marie really enjoys taking handwritten notes for the meetings, so I hate to give a bunch of solutions that talk about going digital. That is part of what I'm going to do. I have two more analog solutions and two more digital type of solutions. I'll start with the analog. Now, this is maybe a little bit obvious, but I don't know what you're doing with your current dividers and binder systems right now, so you might want to really take a close look as to how you are organizing those paper notes. I love these little Maruman five-chart binders that you can kind of move pages around in them. You can do different sections, and the paper is lovely that goes with them, or you could use a regular loose-leaf binder with a bunch of dividers and be really organized about that. Or you could go super old school with like actual file folders. That is still an option. People do still use those, either the hanging ones or, you know, ones that sit in a box. So really think about how you are organizing those actual notes rather than them being in some bound book in random order. Another interesting thing I've seen people do kind of interesting things with their Hobonichis where they'll make an index of like what date everything was, or they'll take notes for any given meeting on that date. Or maybe you have one that's just a dated meeting book. And therefore, if you need to find notes related to that meeting you had on March the 7th, it's very easy to find because, hey, you just go to March the 7th and there the notes will be. So if everything is specific to dates, which are in your calendar that might be searchable, that might be a way to do it. But I have to admit, like myself, that does sound a little bit cumbersome. The other solutions are a bit more techy or digital. The first is that you could consider one of those hybrid smart notebooks that are searchable, like a rocket book. Now, what a rocket book is, they're fairly inexpensive, like they're, they're $25 to $30 on Amazon. Some of them are even cheaper. And they're wipeable pages that you write on with a friction pen, and you upload the pages after you've written on them, and then you can erase them. And when you've uploaded them, then it actually gets converted, your handwriting into text. This does have the caveat that your handwriting probably has to be decent so that it can actually input into text, and then your notes can become searchable that way. So a rocket book would be one way to do that, or even fancier. You could consider using the Remarkable tablet, which is a paper-like tablet that allows you to write on it with a stylus. I have not tried this, but apparently it does feel a lot like paper. You could take your notes there, and then that also gets converted into text, and you can, you know, just make sure you file them in a, in a very searchable way. You could use Evernote with that, I believe. You can use Google Docs with that. It integrates with a lot of the various kind of digital file cabinet types of tools. And then finally, I guess I'll throw out the kind of boring solution is that you could go entirely digital. I do love digital for many things, such as my podcast show notes, because they're completely searchable. And if I'm trying to remember in what episode did I mention some random brand of planner, I can actually just search Apple Notes. I know people don't mention Apple Notes for this, but it actually works pretty well for me. And I can find the episode where I mentioned it. Or maybe I'm looking for the tagline for an ad that I recorded for a podcast. I can search and you know, find that again. So I know it's not as glamorous and you probably didn't come to this podcast, which talks lots about paper planning for that pro tip to just consider going digital. But people love Notion. I love Apple Notes. People love Google Docs. And the searchability does happen to be a very useful feature of those things. So if anybody else has additional suggestions for Marie, feel free to share them. All right. Question number two. Hi there, Sarah. I've been listening to Best Laid Plans for about six months and I love it. I'm a single mother of four children aged eight to 13. I'm an elementary school teacher and I have been single for about five years and I still find it challenging in many ways. My main issue is this. I have my children in my care eight nights out of every two week block. So just slightly more than one week on, one week off. And this makes planning and routines very difficult for me. 
One week is insanely busy with full-time work, after-school meetings, and 12 or more after-school sports and training sessions between the five of us. I have to manage this on my own. The following week is very quiet. Too quiet. Do you have any pearls of wisdom? I don't have many friends in the same situation, so I'm flying blind. I would really appreciate any help. Oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for writing in to me. I can't claim to have personal experience with this particular situation, and it does sound incredibly challenging. You know, it doesn't matter how many years you've been doing this. You're doing a really hard thing. You have four kids. You are managing them on your own for eight out of 14 days. That is a lot, lot, lot. And you should give yourself credit. And I hope you are making sure that to the extent that you can, you're getting the support you need, whether that comes from friends or neighbors or a professional in the mental health realm, if this is very stressful for you, which it would be for me. So I'm just throwing that out there. But aside from that, I do agree with you that planning is likely a very important tool for you because you have to plan ahead to get through those hard weeks. You have to plan for those hard weeks in detail so that you can actually survive the logistics of those weeks. And it sounds like you really could benefit from planning in some fun to do during your off weeks, which is a lot of planning. And yet, I think this would be even harder without dedicated time spent planning and thinking through it. I would not worry about having any one consistent rhythm. Your life is kind of eight and six, eight on, six off. And I think instead of fighting the idea that you have to do the same things every day, you should embrace having a with kids routine and a without kids routine so that maybe the quiet weeks can feel more like recovery time and prep time for the jam pack weeks rather than trying to keep everything consistent. You may have already done this, but I would definitely create a list of tasks you can do during the six easy days to make the next eight days run more smoothly. That might be meal prep or ride and carpool scheduling, etc. Hopefully your carpool game is on point because that is a lot of kids to be driving around. You might even have two completely separate weekly review lists, one that you do before that eight day stretch and then one that kicks off your six day stretch of like time to yourself, quieter, more fun. And I would try to the extent that you can embrace that quieter kid-free time as a space to do the things that you love, which might require some advanced planning time because it's easier to have that meet up with friends when you guys have talked about it the week prior. And then finally, I'm sure you've also done this as well, but to the extent that you can, try virtually connecting with others in the same boat. There has to be some kind of Facebook group or bulletin board with those in the same situation. Um, My sister, for example, is a single mom with my lovely niece and I know for her she's enjoyed connecting with others in the same book because they can compare strategies and stories and just generally feel less alone so yeah my heart goes out to you you are doing amazing for what it sounds like and I definitely think spending lots of time thinking about your strategies for each week and giving yourself permission to have them be completely different and that's not a bad thing it just is what it is right now might be helpful. Again, if others have more suggestions for this listener, please feel free to send them along. All right, question number three. This is from Brooke. She writes, I'm wondering if you have any recommendations for an erasable pen. I love my bullet journal planner, and for my weekly spread, I like using an erasable pen because my life changes day to day. I've tried a few and don't love the quality. Now, I will say I do not personally use erasable pens. I have come to peace with just marking things off or drawing arrows in a neat way to signify when I'm changing my plans. But I do understand that if that's happening, you know, six times a day and you actually have to change the 10 o'clock appointment six different times, it's going to start to get hard to manage. So maybe she has tons and tons of changes that she has to contend with. The reason I personally don't use erasable pens and is because of my smudge issue, my left-handedness 
frequent listeners are well aware that I'm left-handed and don't like smudging, but just in case anybody is new, this is a thing. I drag my hand across the page in the way that I write. I don't like my hand getting covered in ink or smudges getting all over the paper, so I avoid things that are smudge-prone, and in my experience, erasable pens generally are because, hey, it's ink that lifts off the page easily. It doesn't really, you know, it's not that shocking that it can be smudge-prone. Brooke has tried friction, but the Pilot friction pens are by far the ones I've heard about the most. And she did note after we emailed back and forth a bit that she ordered the friction fine liner markers to try to see if maybe they had a little bit of a darker line. But this is a plea for help from listeners because I don't have suggestions, but I know there have to be other fantastic erasable pen options out there. I will also confess I have not searched up pens for this and I feel like they're going to have opinions about great erasable pens. So that will be my next stop after I'm done recording this episode. But for any of you, if you have personal experience with erasable pens that you love, please share them with Brooke and me. If they truly don't smudge, I'm interested. I don't think Brooke cares about smudging, so you can share it either way. All right, question number four. I am using the Getting Things Done system with the Take a Note Planner for work, and I'm unsure what to do with ongoing tasks. For example, I have regular reports and lists I need to manage. These spreadsheets typically have hundreds of line items, and they rarely get done. If I finish one spreadsheet, I run that report again, and there are always more to complete. I started by having these reports on my action list, but it felt very discouraging to never mark them complete. However, if I don't have them recorded somewhere in my actions, I may put this task off too long and make things worse in the long run. Do you have any suggestions? I think at the end of the day, I want to feel accomplished with some sort of balance. Now, my answer is a little bit, I'm going to read what I kind of planned to say, but I also was going to say, this is one reason that I personally get a little frustrated with getting things done because I really like my list to be tied to a time frame. It sounds like she has this giant actions list that just exists forever and always, and she hates that this item is always on her actions list, but that's because she doesn't have a actions for the week list, which I, I mean, I don't call it that, but yeah, I make a weekly list, and therefore it's much more natural to have something that just says update XYZ spreadsheet on my weekly list, and I've checked it off, and I'm done with it. And yes, I may be having that same item for that next week, but you know, that's the next week's update. That's a new task. You get credit twice. I think you should get as much credit as possible. So I don't know. I would probably say a recurring item that says in your actions list, update spreadsheet for XYZ week and actually put a date on it. And then you get to check it off. And then when you rewrite it, you're going to be update sk- uh, spreadsheet for the next week and, and whatever, or the month or whatever time frame makes sense. And it's true. You're not done with the task itself, but you're done with the interim task of getting it current And you're not trying to track when you're finishing this spreadsheet, because as you said, you're never going to actually finish it. You're really just trying to make sure that you stay up to date with it. So yes, I think you should divide it up into whatever time frame updates you want, put it on your actions list, and enjoy all the credit and dopamine hits you get from checking it off as many times as possible. All right. Well, that has been our Q&A. This has been so much fun. Please keep these questions coming. I tend to save them throughout the month and then I will do a big Q&A episode. Sometimes I don't you know, include every single episode in the podcast, but I do try to give everybody an answer to their question if I can. So please keep them coming. Now, I had somebody comment recently that that I was unclear about how my website links to the show. And I don't blame them because it's actually very confusing to have a podcast called best laid plans, but have all of the notes for the show on theshoebox.com, which I know is a very random, random name, but I came up with it a long time ago and I own it and it would be maybe a little hard to change it now. 
So fun fact, I did look into buying bestlaidplans.com, but it's like over $25,000. So we're not going to have that domain available anytime soon. So for now, I'm going to keep the show notes on my website. So just go to theshoebox.com and there's an icon at the top that says best laid plans podcast. And you can find all of the show notes in chronological order. You could either use, you know, control F to find a specific topic. If it's in the title, that will, you know, help you find it. If you are looking for something and you truly can't find it, I don't mind if you email me and hopefully I can use my searchability of my Apple notes to find it for you. So how to email me. You can always leave a comment on the website. You can email me at sarah.heart.unger. That's S-A-R-A-H dot H-A-R-T dot U-N-G-E-R. And you can eliminate the dots, by the way. Gmail doesn't actually care at gmail.com. You can send a text that will actually get sent to my email through Google Voice to 305-697-7189. That's 305-697-7189. If you've done all that, but you just want to share more love for this podcast, you can leave me a review. I appreciate every single one. So thank you so much for those of you who have done that. And then if you want more planning fun and stuff related to what I create, you can also sign up for my newsletter. And if you go to theshoebox.com, you should get a little pop-up for the newsletter that comes up, especially if it's the first time that you have gone to the site. So you can find it that way. And if the pop-up doesn't go there, if you scroll along the right-hand side of the page, then you should see a little widget that says, like, join the newsletter, and you can enter your email there. And finally, one last thing, um, Best Laid Plans Academy Cohort 2, which will be the spring cohort, will be opened in February. And I will be offering it to those on the waitlist first. I don't 100% know that I'm going to have a slot for everybody on that wait list. So I'll try to announce the date and time that it opens so that I can kind of give everybody a chance to sign up if they're really, really interested. But if you do want to be among the first to know about that next cohort when it opens, just go ahead to theshoebox.com, look for Best Laid Plans Academy or BLPA along the top, and then that will give you the form to join the wait list if you are interested. All right, I think that is all the housekeeping that I have for you today. I hope you enjoyed this Q&A. Keep the questions and the planner piece submissions coming, and I will be back next week with more planning fun. In the meantime, have a wonderful week and happy Monday. This podcast is part of the Sound Advice FM Network. Sound Advice FM, women's voices amplified.